Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the official Redbird Rants podcast, episode number six. I am Michael Miles, editor of Redbird Rants, and I am so excited for tonight's podcast. Joined tonight by four of our outstanding writers, and man, are you are, are you guys in store for a treat, a treat indeed. We have Tito with us tonight. How are you, Tito? I'm doing good. I'm going to give a quick shout out to the anti-Mathini. He called for one on Twitter. Hey, give give out all the shout-outs you want. We love those followers, right? We've also got Nathan Grime with us. Nathan, how are you? Um, I'm about as good as you can be after a seven-game losing streak. I know. It's, it's been very, 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 very painful. We've also got Josh joining us again. How are you, Josh? I'd have to second the opinions of the seven-game losing streak. Yeah, notice I'm trying to keep the energy up, fellas, because you know all of us are probably you know, <laughs> life, life is good. Life one, is good. Life is good. One razor blade away from, you know, <laughs> uh, calling Mike Matheny out. And and last but not least, we have Brandon Voigt with us. And if you guys haven't caught on, I only gave last names to two of the people because the other two are are kind of low on my list right now. But Brandon, <laughs> how are you? I'm doing well, guys. Glad to be back in the mix. It is so good to have you back. In fact. And, and Josh and Tito, you know I'm playing with you. So good to have Brendan <laughs> back with us. And at this point, what I'm going to do is I'm going to hand it over to Brendan to take the reins. And I, I just, you guys, I'm loving that we're on episode six. All these episodes have been really outstanding and amazing. Thank you to Tito for putting together all of our agendas. Really awesome job. And now I'm going to sit back in the studio booth. I am your Jim Jackson tonight here in the studio booth. So Brendan, please take it away. Doctor, thank you very much. Always a pleasure to hear from our site editor. Boys, I'm glad to be back in the mix, but I do wish it was under some different circumstances. I've been covering the NBA Finals. They were a little disappointing, so I turned to some Cardinals baseball for a pick-me-up, and that's when I saw the score of today's game. It has not been so fun being one of the best fans in baseball. The Cardinals have lost seven straight. They're four and a half back out of first place. How are we feeling, guys? How are we feeling about the season right now? Nathan, we'll start with you. Let's hey, let's do this. On a scale of 1 to 10, where are you on the panic meter right now? 10 being the highest? Yes, sir. Um, well, probably a 6 or a 7. I mean, like, the, the midst of a 7-game losing streak is about as bad as it gets, of course, unless it goes to 8 tomorrow night. But, I mean, we can't really say it's the beginning of the year anymore. We're you know, over a third of the way through the season, we're in approaching the middle of June here, and the Cardinals are in fourth place. Yet at the same time, they're about they're five games back. Uh, the Cubs are still playing tonight, and it looks like they're down four to one in the eighth. So I mean, they'll probably be four and a half out after tonight, and that's three game three and a half behind the Cubs, who we all expect to eventually be near the top of the division. So the Cardinals are not playing well. They're six under five hundred, which is the worst record that they've had in some time. I can't remember the last time they were that far under the 500 mark. But at the same time, I mean, the season's not over because they're still in the mix for the division. So we'll see if they can't turn it around. And I know we were saying that after they got swept by the Cubs and then they get swept four games by the Reds. But, you know, seven seven games in a row is tough. But at the same time, this division, no one's pulling away with it. So the Cardinals still do have a chance to turn it around. 
Yeah, I think a six sounds about right. I mean, there's definitely cause for concern, but it's still a little early to panic too much. Tito, where are you on the panic meter, brother? I'm going to go with a solid seven, um, and that's just because they're at a seven-game losing streak right now. I, it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty bad. I mean, I in my June piece, you know, where where I looked at the schedule, these were supposed to be easy games to win. The Reds weren't playing good baseball. The Cardinals, they were kind of still on a downside, but again, I thought they were going to be going into this series with their top four pitchers, and they come out with no wins and a seven-game losing streak. I mean, it's it's pretty bad. The offense isn't there. Brett Cecil, who I am now calling Brett C. Lol, LOL, because I, I can't stand it. <laughs> it's, it's just – it's just too much for me anymore. I, it's a full seven. I'm not all the way to the eight, nine, ten range, but I'll, I'll tell you what: if by the end of this weekend, if the Cardinals, you know, don't win two of the next three, uh, I'm, I'll probably be around the eight, nine range. And you know, mid next week, if they're not anywhere close to the division lead or top of the division, I'm a full ten. Well, all it takes is a quick glance at Cardinals Twitter right now to know that you are not alone in that, Tito. Josh, how about you, man? Where are you? I'm going to sound like a doomsday prepper, but I'm sitting at a steady eight. The thing is, we didn't just lose to the Reds. We got embarrassed by the Reds in a four-game series. And off the top of every normal fan's head, just an average fan, could they have named the four starting pitchers we saw in the last four games? I'm going to doubt it, and we were awful. And it doesn't seem like there's any signs of getting better. There's no signs of life outside of a couple guys doing well, like Carpenter hitting two home runs in the last two games. That's great, but we're not, we're, we've wasted pitching, and now we're starting to see our pitching come down to earth a little bit, and nothing else is coming up to help it. The bullpen hasn't shown any signs of life. The batting is basically looks like I'm going up there swinging the bat, which is a terrible, terrible thing. Seem to find find any success anywhere, and the longer this goes on, the scarier it's going to get. I agree with you, Josh, especially about that starting pitching. That was maybe the silver lining, the saving grace of this team for a while there. But we're like you said, we're starting to see that staff come back down to earth. Michael Walker's getting rocked again. We know at this point, while Wainwright's been great, was great in the month of May, he seems like a tough guy to count on for consistency right now. And, man, I'm stoked about Mike Leak, but I don't know about you guys. I don't expect him to have a sub-3 ERA after game 162. So I'm with you, Josh. It feels like we, the Cardinals sort of blew an opportunity there to get out to a hot start. They are only four and a half games back. And as Nathan pointed out, it does feel like, even though the Brewers are in first place, it's the Cubs that we have our eyes on right now as Cardinals fans. And it's not exactly like they're lighting up the baseball world either. So I'm going to reserve my panic, guys. I'm at about a five now, but I recognize that this is one of those seasons that for about a decade we've watched Cardinals baseball that had a, just a particular brand to it. Professionalism, the right attitude, the right approach, just a winning way cardinal way of playing baseball and that definitely seems absent this year so i'm not as i'm not as worried as other folks but i don't know it's it's hard to be optimistic about this season right now 
But I'll are, tell you why you should be worried, though, Brendan, is, and it's the exact reason that you just said that the Cubs aren't playing good baseball. Think about it this way. If the Cardinals were playing to the caliber that they can, let's say in that, you know, that midst of that middle of that uh, May winning streak, their lead could be huge over the Cubs right now. I mean, huge. And with, you know, almost, you know, half the season gone already. So I, I think I think it's uh, I think you should be concerned because if the Cubs aren't going to play good baseball and you can't take advantage of that, then you have a problem. I agree, Tito, but that point to me sort of implies that you think somewhere on this Cardinals team is the capability of performing like a top tier National League baseball squad. And if that's the case, if you do think that that is sort of you know the peak, the talent level that this team possesses albeit they have yet to display it, then four and a half games is not too shabby. It, it doesn't look great right now, and the bullpen is in absolute shambles, but it's not, it, you know, the season's not over yet, and I, I'm just going to take the silver lining approach with the, the start to the Cubs season. That's going to give me Fine. some encouragement. But I recognize I'm being, you know, naively optimistic here. Well, and at the same time, if you're the Cubs, you're going to say, well, you know, if we if we hadn't been so tired from the postseason or whatever excuses they've made, if you know, if they were playing better than, you know, 30 and 28 is the record, they'd be, you know, leading this division by quite a lot because the National League Central Division is not is not a very good division record-wise. It's the worst division in baseball if you just want to go by, by uh, you know, by records and who's pulling away in the most, most competition because everyone's kind of hovering around 500. So, I mean, if if you're the Cubs, you could say the same thing. Then you could also argue that the Cubs do have more talent on their roster than the Cardinals, which I think most Definitely. of us, yeah, most of us would grant that. But we, I mean, the Cubs have, you know, they lost last night, but before that, they've won five in a row, including the three games against the Cardinals. So maybe they're turning the corner as well. But they have yet to to display consistently winning baseball as well. So while the Cardinals are four and a half back, um, you know, hopefully they can you know, decrease that margin or at least just not let it grow. Because at this time last year, the Cardinals had a winning record and they were like 10 games up. Right. But if we know our Cardinals, you know, they almost seem to perform better from that underdog position. I've seen this joke on Twitter. Wouldn't this be the year that the Cardinals find a way to win? Josh, where, where are you on the Mike Matheny fence? Because it seems like the vast majority of this fan base is just absolutely fed up with our fearless leader. They're done with his in-game management. They don't care about the results of his first four years anymore, and they want him out of town. Before we have that discussion about firing Matheny or not, I want to know, in terms of placing the blame here for this disappointing start to the season, percentage-wise, where are you with Mike Matheny and the players themselves? Well, when it comes to placing the blame, I... I think that I don't want to put all of it on Matheny because I think as a coaching staff, they've left a lot to be desired outside of Lilliquist. Maloney can't seem to figure out when to send a guy and when not to send a guy. And when it comes to the hitting, I think a good portion of that issue needs to sit on John Mabry. So, you, yeah, the guys have to go out there and play, but they have to be given the right tools to do it. At this point, I'm leaning more towards 60-40 to coaching staff being the 60. It's it's upsetting that 
uh, Matheny isn't getting it done more because I am an all-time op- optimist for a guy like that. I was the guy who thought Kim Anderson was going to turn around Mizzou basketball for three years and still thought he should get another year. But I, I'm starting to grow to the point where the, the longer this goes on, the more I'm blaming Matheny. Tito, do you agree or disagree? I actually, I'm going to agree with Josh. I think he, he's kind of right on the money with the 60-40 split, 60 being towards Matheny's problem. But here, here's the thing. I struggle with this kind of a question because, yes, while they need the tools, the players need the tools, at the end of the day, the players have to play. Um, you know, when we originally we talked about Brett Cecil, you know, a couple episodes back, I said it. The guy know how the guy knows how to pitch. He's a big leaguer. But right now he's just not doing it. And no coaching is gonna solve that, to be honest. I mean, they might pick up on some mechanics and you know, they might pick up on those kinds of things and that's fine, but at the end of the day he has to go do it, much like the hitters. They can fine-tune their swing all they want. You can send Randall Gritchick all the way down to Palm Springs. But at the end of the day, it's up to the player. If they're not going to perform, they can't be on this team, essentially. I mean, I get that contracts are going to hold them there, like Brett Cecil and, at this point, Johnny Peralta. But I always will come back to that the players have to perform. Yes, the manager has some responsibility to get these players ready to play and get their mental state in the right frame of mind, but they have to perform. But and you can also argue that with the managers and the coaching staff. They, they have to perform as well. Chris Maloney, to Josh's point, sucks. Yeah, you don't have, to be, a, you don't have to be a baseball nerd to figure that out. I mean, he's just making no. objectively <laughs> bad decisions. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it, you have everybody on the team, whether you're on the field or you're on the bench or you're managing or coaching, has to perform. So it's hard to it's hard to say, oh, it's management's fault, oh, it's the players' fault. Really, the line is a fifty-fifty line. But at this point, you shift more blame on the manager because nothing else has worked. And that's just a kind of typical reaction to, uh, you know, people in leadership is that they look to the guy who's at the top of the helm and say, hey, what's going on? Instead of looking at themselves in the mirror and saying, oh, well, we're the problem too. Nathan, where are you in this conversation? Yeah, I think everyone needs to look themselves in the mirror. I mean, and that's kind of, that's right from Messini's post-game comments after today's loss. Um, the thing that, frustrating about the management and the coaching staff is just the repeated mistakes over and over again that happen. Like the base running mistakes keep happening. That's not really getting, that's not getting fixed. Um, You know, defensive miscues have have plagued the Cardinals throughout the season. And then of course you've got the in-game management and the thing he still doesn't seem to have, um, have a way to figure out his bullpen, who's going to pitch when we saw that uh, just two nights ago in the game that, you know, he yanked Lance Lynn after five innings, only 70 some pitches with the Cardinals up by three and he, you know, the pinch hitting move to put Fowler in there worked out because they got, they got a run to go up four to one, but then you're mm-hmm. asking your bullpen to get 12 outs. And I mean, I don't think any of us were really confident that that would happen. 
you know, were we expecting Brett Cecil to give up a three-run bomb and then Trevor Rosenthal to give up a two-run bomb? Maybe, maybe not. But, I mean, you've got to find a way to win that game. You've lost five in a row, and um, you got Brett Cecil in there, two hits to the lefties to lead off the inning, and then he lets him give up that go-ahead home run to a right-handed batter, and then he brings in Rosenthal for a left-handed Votto, and that's the game once he hits the home run. But, I mean, that's, you know, bullpen's an easy thing to look at when you're looking at in-game management. When you're looking at lineup, I mean, the guys Matheny has to put in the lineup, I mean, that's that's roster construction. So that falls on the general manager as well. And I think that kind of, you know, brings us to the point of, well, is Johnny, does Johnny Peralta have a place on this team? You have to ask that question. You have to ask the question, well, why is Magnaris Sierra back in double A? I mean, he's, I mean, when he was here, the Cardinals were winning games um, and he was in the lineup and he was, he was hitting well. He was, you know, running the base as well. So, I mean, Matheny's with, as far as the offense goes, the offense has struggled, but Matheny's, you know, he's changed up the lineup a little bit. So kudos to him for putting Carpenter back up in the leadoff spot. I mean, there's the whole conversation of whether or not Carpenter can hit from the three hole or not. But I mean, at this point, you know, you, you make a change just so you can hopefully see something different. And at least for Carpenter, it's worked, but the team still hasn't been able to win games. So, you know, I wonder if it's, if it'll take a roster reconstruction, you know, maybe that's just a few players here and there um, before Messini becomes comfortable in the decisions he's making. And then maybe there's a little less pressure on him from the fan base uh, because hopefully those decisions will lead to wins in the future. Yeah. I like your point there, man, about potential roster reconstruction. I'm not to the point where I'm saying, you know, in, in the off season, it's time to blow this thing up. And I'm I'm definitely not no, one of yeah, those people. Of course. Yeah, and I I know that's not what you're suggesting, but um, I I think the core of this team still is capable of playing much better ball than they have. But one right. option, guys, that has to be considered at this point is some upgrades via the trade deadline. So let's have a little discussion here. Let's just some reckless speculation. Let's run through the rumors. And let's talk about some possible moves at the trade deadline. We'll start first from the perspective of the Cardinals as buyers. Josh, let's start with you. Are there any rumors flying around out there that you find to be particularly juicy when it comes to St. Louis improving? Well, I actually, uh, I actually wrote an article about that week, just about who the Cardinals could kind of go go after when it comes to other teams that could be selling. And most notably, it's got to be the Marlins. Uh, they clearly look like they're going to be selling, and they have two of the best options in Christian Yelich and Marcelo Zuna. Now, I think a lot of people are going to lean to Christian Yelich because of his age, but I think Ozuna fits perfectly. You slot him into left field. He adds the power. He's been hitting well over 300, and I think he would be kind of the perfect addition. He's not a rental. He's got two and a half years on him. It's going to cost a little bit, but anybody good is going to cost a little bit, and this team needs that kind of addition to be able to do something because, as Tito has been stating for weeks, the Cardinals need some offense. Say what? No, say that one more time. As Tito has been saying for weeks, <laughs> the Cardinals need some offense. Thank those you. Are some, those are some interesting suggestions, Josh, and we'll get, we'll, we'll get Tito and Nathan's thought on those names. But first we're going to take a quick break. So stick around. You're listening to the Redbird Rants official podcast on Blog Talk Radio. Don't go anywhere. And we're back. Tito, before the break, we were talking 
some possible upgrades coming from Miami, Christian Yelich, Ozuna. What do you think about those names? Does that sound appealing, and does that sound realistic to you? They're definitely realistic, uh, probably Ozuna more than Yelich. Um, I think Ozuna, as Josh was saying, offers the power and the average that the Cardinals are looking for in a three-hole hitter. He can play left field where where we thought at the beginning of the season we had a strong player in Randall Gritchick, but obviously has turned out into a dud. And it's definitely a viable option. You know, Josh has also written a couple of, you know, other pieces regarding J.D. Martinez from the Detroit Tigers. It'd be interesting to see what you could get for J.D. Martinez. He's been killing it this year since coming back off of injury. So it'd be nice to see somebody like him maybe come into the Cardinals. That might mean a position a position switch for Stephen Piscotty going from right to left, but I don't think that would be too big of a deal. Um, another, you know, I've written about it a couple times, and I think maybe you – might want to consider somebody like Josh Donaldson, Josh Donaldson and Evan Longoria, but that means something might change with Jed Jerko and Colton Wong. My guess is at the time or at this moment, the Cardinals would rather hold on to Colton Wong because of his uh, defensive capabilities um, and his, and his overall value, I think. But I wouldn't be so sure that, that they would either because you could make you could make an argument that they would keep Jed Jerko and use Colton Wong in as a trade piece to one of those teams to go get a veteran like Evan Longoria or Josh Donaldson or anybody that we've mentioned. Now, the, my bigger point is, though, is that, as Josh said, that I have been saying for weeks, the Cardinals need offense. They're getting good pitching from their starting rotation, Yes, they need to add bullpen arms, but if the if the Cardinals pitchers are only going to give up less than a run an inning or a run a game or two runs a game, the offense needs to be there. They have to step up and do it. And I, I truly think the Cardinals have been missing a true three four hitter ever since Albert Pujols left essentially. So that's where they need to focus their efforts on. Right. And it's, you know, Nathan brought this point up earlier. It's kind of fascinating, right? Because the Cardinals were hoping or expecting to get that kind of production from Matt Carpenter. He's a heavy slugger. Guy hits a lot of doubles. Guy sees the ball well, hits it hard. But as we've talked about multiple times now on this pod, for whatever reason, he doesn't seem to generate that same kind of production when he's that far back in the lineup. He works much better as a leadoff hitter, despite lacking those typical leadoff tools. I agree with you, Tito, that they need some power and they need some pop. I just think it's interesting that these options so far have all come from the outfield. Because as Nathan pointed out earlier, there are guys that are playing super well in Memphis right now, Reed uh, Reed Bader, Reed Sierra, who are just as deserving as a shot. And it seems, I don't know, maybe like we'd be jumping the gun a bit to be moving pieces already on this roster to upgrade at, at the outfield spot when there are so many talented outfielders in this organization. Nathan, what do you think about upgrading in the outfield there? 
Yeah, I think really when you're talking about offensive upgrades, you're looking at offense first, and yeah, a lot of these names happen to be outfielders. The Cardinals are looking for a centerpiece in the lineup. That's kind of been the narrative this last week when these rumors have have cropped up recently. Um, I'll add another name to the mix even. I think maybe even Will Myers of the San Diego Padres would be a possibility. I know he's been, I think he's been linked to the Cardinals in the past, not seriously, but that's another guy in the team that's struggling. He, uh, primarily a first baseman now, uh, but he's played the outfield yeah. in his career. And of course, I think at the end of the day, Matt Carpenter could also, you know, go back to third or second base if that were to happen. But, you know, the outfield hasn't been producing offensively either this year. And you've got guys in Memphis that you can call up, but then even at the major league level, I mean, you've got Dexter Fowler, Stephen Biscotti, and Tommy Pham. Those are three starting outfielders at the moment. And Fowler and Piscotti figure to be long-term pieces since they've got long-term contracts. So it'll be interesting. I, you know, at the end of the day, I don't see, you know, a mid-season acquisition for a, for a, for a guy like Marcelo Zuna or Yelich. Um, It'd be exciting, and it would completely change the complexion of the Cardinals lineup overnight. But at the same time, um, we're talking about a pretty lucrative trade. If you're do, if you're you know trading for someone like that, um, you're talking you know trading a position player like a Harrison Bader, you know, trading you know multiple prospects, probably a pitcher as well, a couple pitchers maybe. So we haven't seen John Mozeliak make those types of deals in the past. Usually it's kind of a one-for-one swap, a, you know, a mid-tier offensive player like a Brandon Moss, you know, a couple of years ago for a for a um, high-ceiling pitcher that was in um, in the lower levels of the minor leagues. But these rumors are interesting. It's no doubt that the Cardinals need offense. Um, well, it'll just be interesting to see whether the organization thinks that they can make those improvements from within if indeed they decide to reconstruct the offense somewhat as the season goes on or if they think they need to make a deal, if they are indeed buyers at the deadline. And that's typically how the Cardinals handle things, right? If they can solve a problem internally, they prefer to do it that way. Mm -hmm. I guys don't expect them to make a trade. I'm still waiting for some of these bats to wake up. It's been super disappointing. This obviously isn't going to cut it, but I don't expect to see, like, it's not just one or two guys struggling. I mean, name just about every name you expected to produce and to be an impact player on this Cardinals team is failing to do so with the exception of save, I don't know, Jed Jerko. So it's just too much going wrong for the Cardinals right now. I don't actually expect that to last over the course of the full season. I don't think they're good enough to truly contend for a pennant as is, but I'm not desperate enough to say to your point, Nathan, I think it's going to take a big trade to land some of those names that we put out there. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's worth it to give up on Bader, Sierra, Weaver, Wong, what have you, for a chance at a marginal improvement in a year where, let's be honest, if the Cardinals are going to have any success, that's just out of sheer luck and circumstance. I, I personally think that if the Cardinals are going to go out and get somebody, it, they would rather have somebody where it would, if they're going to trade any of the young guys, they want the contract of the incoming player to kind of offset that. So that's where I think that's where the Christian Yelich uh, situation comes into play, where he would be uh, an easy piece to hold on to for a little bit longer um, while while you move out your young guys to go get him. But, I, you know, I, I'm not saying the Cardinals need to make a move 
right now. But what I'm saying is, is if they get to the deadline and they approach the deadline at a 500 record and they're still 4.5 games back out, I would deal. Well, it's a distinct possibility. Let's flip the script here a little bit, guys. Flip the perspective. Let's talk about the St. Louis Cardinals as potential sellers at the trade deadline. Let's say they're ready to give up on this season. Um, let's say they're ready to give up on some of these pieces. Colton Long, Johnny Peralta, what have you. Josh, what do you think about the possibilities the Cardinals are sellers at the deadline, and who would you like to see gone and out of a St. Louis Cardinals uniform? You know, I, I wrote a I wrote a post about this too, just just to get both sides of it. And um, this one was a little more interesting to me because I, as a Cardinal fan, we've been so spoiled with success that we haven't even had to think about being sellers, and neither has the front office. So I think this is a really interesting possibility. It's not a good one, but it's interesting because I think that there is a way for this team to be successful very quickly again if they trade the right players. Now, everyone saw what Araldis Chapman and uh, Andrew Miller were bringing in last year. Now, Cardinals do not have two two relievers on that level, but Sung Wan Oh and Trevor Rosendahl could bring in a nice little return. Teams need closers. Um, another guy I think that could bring in an interesting return, depending on if you're willing to give him up, is Jed Jerko. He has he's under contract for a while. It's not terribly expensive, especially with how inflated contracts have gotten. And with the length of it, I believe he's a free agent in 2020. With the length of that, I think he could return a decent amount of prospects. But the, the most obvious one is Lance Lynn. I don't think the Cardinals will re-sign him. He doesn't have an open open spot to rotation last next year because Alex Reyes is going to come back. Luke Weaver's close. Jack Flaherty threw six scoreless innings mm. tonight and threw yeah. and eight Ks. I mean, the, we have options, and I think that I think even if we aren't sellers, I think Lance Lynn should get moved for a couple prospects and give it to Luke Weaver. I like that idea a lot, man. I mean, Lance Lynn is a guy who, despite lacking electric stuff, he's not he's not a guy you've ever thought of as dominant, right? He's got a propensity to win ball games, and he's done that a lot in a St. Louis Cardinals uniform. And you got to think that there are a lot of teams who could have a use from a starter who can go at least six deep, give you a quality start. And you're right, man. There's there's no space for him on this team, and he's going to want a, uh, maybe not a major payday, but a reasonable one. And he sure has earned it. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think rather than just letting him walk, it might be worth it to try to see what they can get in return. Nathan, do you agree? Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I really like the idea of perhaps moving Lance Lynn, especially if the Cardinals are not in a position to make the postseason, because there, there will be teams who feel like they are you know, one starting pitcher away from making a deep postseason run, and that's where a guy like Lance Lynn can come in. And I would even you know, venture to say he has been dominant before in his career, and you know, we'll see if he gets even stronger as the year progresses. Of course, he's coming off injury, which we all know. And then you know, once he hits the open market, I think his value will skyrocket even more than it would be at the deadline because, you know, he's had a good season so far. And, um, and you know, as I said, you know, starting pitching, and as you also mentioned, Josh, relief pitching, 
are two things that that teams really seem teams who are contending at the deadline really seem to want. So I think Lance Lynn could actually get a pretty hefty return because you know if if a team needs a starting pitcher, their general manager more more often than not, especially these teams with you know who are perennial contenders with high salaries like you know either Los Angeles Dodgers or the New York Yankees, you know they'll be willing to part with some top end prospects just to fill a gap in a starting rotation or a bullpen. Yeah, I agree. Tito, where are you on the Lance Lynn decision? I am, gosh, this is tough. I I, I mean, I've, I've said it before. I think he is your, like Josh said, the most obvious piece to move. It's interesting. I put out a poll today. Uh, specifically saying, you know, if the Cardinals were at 500 at the trade deadline, what would you do? And the options were buyers, sellers, or neither. And 57% of the people who voted said sellers, 29% said buyers, and 14% said neither. So I'm wondering if if that's more of a uh, of a uh, of a I guess of an outcome of how the Cardinals are playing right now. But, you know, it's interesting to think of Lance Lynn as a seller because, you know, Nathan was saying, well, they, there are teams looking for starting pitching. I can name at least two teams right off the top of my head that need it, and that would be the Houston Astros, the AL-leading Houston Astros, and the New York Yankees. They, those two teams are in contention, and they both need starting pitching. Oh, do you think and the Yankees I'm would sure. give us Matt Holiday back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> but you know, those two teams, those two teams definitely need some starting pitching. Even heck, the, even the Minnesota Twins are in contention in the AL Central Division, and they would, could use starting pitching too. So it's not a far-fetched idea that you could possibly move Lynn for these prospects and if the Cardinals are at five are, are at the trade deadline with a 500 record I you know they might blow it up a little bit another I mean, there's no reason this, go ahead I was just going to say there's no reason not to move Lynn right I mean it's like that classic basketball situation you know a player is going to leave why just let him walk when you can get something in return even if that's just a, a, a bullpen piece or something you know right yeah. and, and I, it's, I mean you know it's not, I'm not Go ahead. I was just going to say, it's not, it's not necessarily a foregone conclusion that he's going to leave. It's just kind right. of, you know, as, as he keeps turning in quality start after quality start, his, his value on the exactly. open market is just, just going to get higher and higher and higher. And you wonder exactly. with the kind of pitching prospects that the Cardinals have in their system right now, Alex Reyes at the forefront, of course, how much the Cardinals would be willing to spend. Right. And, and, that, and as Josh mentioned, the, the Cardinals have young pitching arms in, in the weight. I mean, Weaver, Flaherty, Alcantara is there, Reyes is there. Even Marco's, Marco Gonzalez is having a pretty good bounce back from his Tommy John surgery too. I mean, you've got potential arms there. So moving Lynn, again, it, it's, not, it's not that far out. If you're a Cardinals fan and you value Lance Lynn, and you might want to think of the worst possible scenario because it could happen. And it's not to say that the Cardinals are just saying, 
you know, thanks for nothing, Lance Lynn. He's been a great mm-hmm. member of the St. Louis Cardinals. I mean, I can remember when he was in, you know, pitching in relief in the 2011 NLCS against the Brewers. He came in and got that huge double play for uh, to get Ricky Weeks in a double play. I mean, that's that's the kind of production that you've always wanted out of one of your pitchers, and he's been able to do that. But this is also a business. You have to conduct it, and that's might just how that might be just how the dice rolls. And we'll Josh, you also mentioned where the. I was just saying, we will yeah, also have to see where the Cardinals are with their starting rotation come July because you know yeah. they might. On the other hand, if you're looking at the other side of the scenario, at least from the Cardinals' perspective, they might need Lance Lynn in that rotation down the stretch. Mm-hmm. You know, if they don't feel comfortable with a minor league arm coming up, I think Michael Walker, if he keeps having rocky starts, they might have to think about replacing him in the rotation. So, you know, are you going to be ready to replace two rotation guys? Come the summer, that could be something that would maybe cause a little bit of apprehension in the Cardinals' front office as far as moving Lance Lynn goes before the end of the season, that is. Josh, you mentioned another name, and that was Jed Jerko, which I find interesting. Obviously, if the Cardinals are still in contention, no, right? That guy, there's it's hard to conceive of a team that has more use for a super utility guy right now than the Cardinals as they try to figure out this infield. But you're right. I mean, if they, in a scenario that they are selling and they're giving up on the season, that would be quite the house flip. I mean, Jed Jerko, that trade was a highway robbery. That's, that's John Jay, who, look, we all like as Cardinals fans. But if you told me you can trade John Jay for a 30-home run guy off the bench that plays four positions in the infield, and he's not that expensive, and the other team's willing to take on some of the contract, and then you're able to see continued production from that player, to have him peak under your control and flip him into maybe a couple of prospects or, or something to move forward with. I think that's a very intriguing prospect. Guys, would you be comfortable with that, Nathan and Tito, if the Cardinals are, are truly in a seller position? Yeah. Yeah, I would. I would. I mean, if, I mean again, if you're in a seller position, you know, if you're not going to win this season, you're going to – look to overhaul the team, or maybe not overhaul is the right word, but you're going to, you know, guys are going to be on the hot seat in the off season anyways. So why not give some prospects a chance to show what they can do so you have a little bit more of an idea of what the team's going to be look like next year come April. That would be, you know, a Paul DeYoung getting um, extended opportunity or somebody else in the infield. Here's the thing. When you have a player like Jerko producing like he is and teams want him, there's no there's no reason not to listen to calls. I mean, right. there, and that goes for any player actually. If somebody comes calling and you get a crazy mega deal out of it, you you still come out on top. Sure, you're going to take a hit in the short term, but that long term prospect might be ten times the player Jed Jerko could ever be. And Ch- it, the Cardinals would. I'm sorry. No, you're right. I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> go, go ahead, Tito. Okay. I was just going to say, I mean, the Cardinals would be crazy not to listen to anything that comes their way. No, I think that's a good point. Josh, do you think Cardinals fans are ready for that, though? I mean, you mentioned we've been a little bit spoiled. Uh, it, the Cardinals have been, you know, the, the premier team in the National League for the, for the better part of a 12-year stretch here. Is this fan base ready to see a team in that position? Absolutely not. I, I absolutely not. I I think that if this team becomes sellers, 
it's going to be a very long second half of the year because I just don't think that with the success that the Cardinals have had, people understand that there's only a few teams that make the playoffs every year, and there's only a few teams that have real success every year. I mean, we've been so utterly blessed with how successful the Cardinals have been. We haven't thought about being a bad team since probably when all of us were quite young. I mean, it's it's going to take a lot for fans to get over it. And I think a lot of fans are already on the ledge looking to jump because they're so thrown off by how bad this team has been. And speaking to what we were just talking about, the Cardinals as sellers, I think that it would be a good idea. But what do you guys think if the Cardinals moved a fan favorite in Matt Carpenter? at the deadline if they became sellers. Now that is quite the question, Josh, and I want to hear everyone's answer, but we're going to wait and take a quick break once again. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to the official Redbird Rants podcast on Blog Talk Radio. Go Birds. And we're back. Tito, before the break, Josh left us with a really, really big question. Are we ready to see Matt Carpenter potentially traded out of a St. Louis Cardinals uniform? Last episode, I actually broached that topic, so Josh is uh, hanging on to me a little bit longer than he thinks. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. The Cardinals got he's, – he's an older player, and the Cardinals got his best years out of him, it seems like, already. And, again, as I just said not too long ago, the Cardinals would be crazy not to entertain any offer that comes their way because they're the ones that has, they are the ones that has the player. The other teams want Matt Carpenter. The Cardinals should be willing to listen. Do I want to see it happen? No, because I think he's still a good player and he, and he's a serviceable player. And if the Cardinals want to compete and contend, I think he needs to be on the team. But, Again, if the Cardinals get approached to to move him to a team, I don't know what team would take him or where where he what team he would go to at this point. But if a team is willing to dish out prospects, high level prospects, you have to consider it. You you just have to. Will it suck? Yes, but the fan base needs to get over it. Again, I just said it. It's a business. You just you have to play to win, and sometimes that's that means dealing your best player. Would you deal Matt Carpenter? Um, well, dealing Matt Carpenter seems like a much bigger thing to do than dealing Jed Jerko, just because of his history with the team. Um, mm-hmm. Although Jed Jerko kind of has been the leading um, the leading hitter on the team this year, I think the expectation was that Matt Carpenter would pace the offense this year. And I, he will improve. I don't, he's not going to be a, a 210 hitter all year. Um, can he, you know, creep towards his career numbers and end up with you know, 20 plus home runs, 270, 280 batting average, maybe. And if that is the case, then we'd be talking about perhaps moving Jed Jericho as we just did and Matt Carpenter, which are your top two hitters in the lineup. And if Carpenter, you know, gets back to his career pace, he will be probably the premier hitter in this lineup. So that'll truly, you know, you know, kind of be gutting the, the offense in, in terms of, you know, dealing your best player. But that's what, you know, teams that have been sellers have done in the past. 
I mean, this is this is a regular thing for for some organizations. You know, they deal their best offensive piece to a team that's contending. Um, and you know, as Cardinals fans, as Josh mentioned, that's not something that you're used to. So that you know, that, that kind of shocks you to think you know, because the Cardinals trade Matt Carpenter. But you know, I would agree with Tito. If someone's coming calling and the Cardinals aren't contending, you know, you you got to entertain the possibilities because you know, if someone wants a Matt Carpenter, they're probably willing to give up. Some some front end prospects. So, yeah, I mean, John would have to listen to those. Yeah, we've got a uh, a long those those offers. We have a longtime reader and frequent commenter named David Keys. I don't know if you guys have come across him in your writing experiences, but he's been big on trading Mac Carpenter for years now, which I thought was a terrible idea. But hey, we're getting to that point where, I mean, if you're talking about gutting a team you got to move the big boys and get as much as you can. I think a really interesting example here to look, guys, is in the American League, looking at the New York Yankees. They're in a similar position as the Cardinals in terms of sustained success, right? Talk about a fan base that wasn't ready for a rebuild, that quite frankly had never seen one. Theirs went quite well. Now, granted, the Cardinals don't have an Araldis Chapman that they can flip into the best farm system in baseball overnight, but this is, like you said, Nathan, this is a route that teams take, that most teams take a lot more frequently than the Cardinals do. And if the calls start coming in and this team has not performed to the level that we expect them to be able to, it's worth considering. It's, it's probably the right approach. There's no point in fighting and hanging on just to be an average team. And all I've of got this, one of course, is if the Cardinals are sellers. And, you know, if you deal with Matt Carpenter, then you've got to void at first base because there's no more Matt Adams either. And I think that might even, you know, clear up maybe a little bit of the of the, um, of the the flow of, you know, outfield prospects coming from the minor leagues. Maybe you get a first base prospect in a trade and that, you know, that seals the deal. But, I mean, Stephen Bascotti was a guy that has played first base. He's still young. Yeah. So I, I don't think he'd be opposed to a position switch. And then maybe you open up the corner outfield spot if that were the case. Here's a question I'd like to ask you guys. Of these two pitchers, who would be the first to be dealt, Lance Lynn or Trevor Rosenthal? Lance Lynn. Uh, yeah, I think from the Cardinals' perspective, if you're selling, you'd want to sell Lance Lynn first um, because you could net more in return and because he's a free agent at the end of the year. You know, I'm actually thinking – the other way, I feel like if the Cardinals are going to trade Trevor Rosenthal, they're going to get a very good deal on him. And I think that, like, you look at some of these teams, the Nationals are in mm-hmm. a need for a guy like that. A guy like that. So I, I should see Trevor Rosenthal being the first guy, just because I think Lance Lynn makes the most sense to get traded. I don't think that he necessarily is the first one to get traded. Well, and I think it's interesting that you mentioned the Nationals because they did just give up quite a bit to go get Adam Eaton. So is their farm system capable of producing a good return on Rosenthal? I'm not so sure, but that's the reason why I asked the question, though, because I'm almost on Josh's side here, is that even though Lance Lynn can be dealt and the Cardinals would want to deal him first, I'm not so sure that Rosenthal wouldn't get dealt first himself um, because 
let's say you actually the Cardinals want to keep Lance Lynn. He wants to stay in St. Louis. So there's a mutual option there, you know, a mutual interest there. And Rosenthal, you know, he's been kind of the I, – I don't want to say – he's just been kind of bad luck on the Cardinals right now. And I, I could see the Cardinals moving him sooner than, than Lance Lynn. Um, I, I just find it interesting that the Nationals would be the first team probably knocking at the, at the door. But I wonder if there was any other team out there that would – possibly entertain acquiring Rosenthal and I, I'm just not I'm not seeing it. Yeah, and all of these all of these speculation over trades, especially the nearer and nearer you get to the trade deadline. So, you know, if let's just say theoretically that Rosenthal and Lynn would both get dealt, um, you know, you you have to wonder if, you know, how many teams are interested in both of them. As you said, Tito, you're not sure how many teams would be interested in Rosenthal. And I'd have to look, you know, what, what contenders would need a back end of the bullpen guy. Um, so I'm not sure off the top of my head either. But at the end of the day, the Cardinals are the guys that ha- are, are the team that have these guys. So they're, they're going to say right. yes or no to the trade offers. So, right. you know, someone might offer a guy for Rosenthal first. Um, you know, maybe Mosaic doesn't like the, the option. And then you see Lynn get dealt or something like that. So, that's kind of the behind-the-scenes look that, that we don't necessarily get either. Yeah, maybe I agree. The moral, maybe the moral of this entire podcast segment is if you have the pieces, let the offers come to you. Right. Well, let's move on from this segment, guys. Really quick, parting thoughts, though. Uh, the Rockies and the Diamondbacks, both teams playing well over uh, their expectations to this point in the season. Uh, I think either of those teams could find use for a guy like Rosenthal, just something to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. Here we are, guys, uh, almost halfway through the season. And like we said before, our St. Louis Cardinals, four and a half games back. Let's do a little exercise here. Let's let's throw the records out the window and try to flesh out some sort of power rankings right now, just for the NL Central to start. I assume that, and this should go pretty quickly here, that number one is the Chicago Cubs. Yep, I would agree. <laughs> yeah, I, I I guess I mean I guess if you're gonna throw records out the way, then yes, I'll say Cubs first. Anyone want to uh, anyone want to offer someone different, or are we just a unanimous agreement here? I think they're, the, they're the thing is that we're all expecting the Cubs to you know overtake the Brewers eventually. I agree. I agree. Their roster is too loaded to think anybody else should be ahead of them, honestly. If we're not talking records and you just look at roster, they they have to be won. Absolutely. Absolutely. And those records are intriguing because I don't think there's one soul alive that expected to see the Milwaukee Brewers sitting atop the division right now, right. not even folks in Milwaukee. What do you guys think about the Brewers? Are they the real deal? And do you think that they are potentially the second-best team in the Central as as their record would reflect, if not the best? Uh, I would probably guess that they're playing above the curve. I I don't think they're the second best team in the in the central. I mean, again, if we're throwing records out the way, the Cardinals to me are still the second best team in the division. But there's no denying that the Brewers have played some really great baseball. Um, you know, it, it's tough to see them play because 
usually the Cardinals handle their pitching well, but it seems like every time they go play somebody else, their pitching is just dominant. Uh, so I don't get it. But you know they're they're a good team. I, I'm not willing to say that they're better than the Cardinals though, on paper. <laughs> right now in the actual season, that's a different story. But I'm not willing to say that they're on paper a better team than the Cardinals. Josh, do you think the uh, the Brewers are the second best team in the Central? I can't say that they are, and I that there's there's clearly some bias in there because. We've seen that the Cardinals can't really put out a lineup that should that should be considered to, even though with the names you'd think, all right, this is easily a top-two team in this division and a top-five team in the NL, but just looking at their play, you can't really think so. But I don't think that what the Brewers are doing is something that they can keep up throughout an entire season. Just look at their – when you look at their stats, Junior Guerra is, has a 1.83 ERA. Uh, you know, that's not something that I think he can keep up. I don't think a lot of their pitchers will start to see a little bit of an inflated ERA when you look at the starters because their bullpen is not all that great at this point outside of a couple guys. So I don't expect them to keep that up. But at the same time, there might not be another team in the in the division that will overtake them besides the Cubs just considering where the Cardinals are out, are at with their play. Nathan, what do you think? I mean, the Cardinals probably have more talent than the Brewers, but will they realize that? Are they a better baseball team? Yeah, we'll get a good look at the um, comparing the Cardinals and Brewers next week. They've got a four-game series uh, next Tuesday through Thursday. But, you know, the the whole on-paper thing, I would have to say probably the Cardinals, because the Cardinals are underperforming this year. I mean, as difficult as it's been to see them struggle so much, you know what's even more what's even more frustrating is we know they're better. You know we know their offense is better than what they've been doing. Um, but the Brewers have a good offense, and you know they've been hitting this year. Uh, what Josh said about their bullpen, I think, is you know on the money, and also their starting rotation that'll probably even out as well. But you know I'm not willing to say right now the Cardinals are number two in the division over the Brewers because I mean you got to give credit to the Brewers. They're in first place. Yeah, the Cubs and Cardinals have been underperforming um but we'll see next week you know how the cardinals match up with the brewers yeah credit where credit's due man i did not expect to see 32 wins next to milwaukee on those standings when the season's over guy yeah right at least for now well good for them it's been a while and the cardinals stomped out one if not two potential successful errors there so good for them who do you guys expect to see at the bottom of the division when this season's over is is Pittsburgh really the worst team in the Central? Do you expect Cincinnati to regress? Josh, what do you think? You know, going into the season, I really thought that it was going to be a two-team race in the Central with the Pirates battling for a while, but eventually not being able to make it. But then, you know, we all know about the issues that the Pirates had with the suspension. Um, I don't think that they're the worst team in the Central. I really do believe that the worst team in the Central is the Cincinnati Reds which is upsetting just considering what just happened (laughs) over the last four games. Uh, That doesn't say a whole lot about us. But, I mean, when you look at their pitching staff, it's it's a list of guys who just should not be major league pitchers, starters at the very least. They should not be starters. 
they might be able to make it in the bullpen, but some of these names, you're just like, who is this person? And unfortunately, that's the kind of person the Cardinals haven't been able to have any success off of. They can have guys get hits off of Clayton Kershaw, but whenever you bring a known right. pitcher on the mound against right. them, they can't seem to hit them. Yeah, that's true. Nathan, who's the worst team in the Central? Um, you know, I haven't seen too much of the Pirates this year, but I'll just say the Pirates just because they're in last place. Um, I would say the Reds, but, man, after the four-game sweep, I know the Cardinals played bad, but the Reds did enough in some of, in some of those games to win. And they've got a good offense, I think. Um, the pitching – it's probably like the Brewers. It's you know, you know, overperforming maybe a little bit. But at the end of the season, I would probably say either the Pirates or the Reds. I would expect to see in fifth place. I agree, but there are some Cincinnati fans that are just seething right now <laughs> with our decision to put well, the cars over the Reds. They, you know, they had a four-game sweep, so yeah. Hey, we got about two minutes left here, guys. I want to try to do something quick if we can. We'll try to skip the evaluation and just we'll, we'll give our selections. I'm going to ask you guys who you think the winners of each division will be in the National League, and then we'll talk about possible wild card entries. We'll start with the East right now. The Washington Nationals are 11 and a half games up on the Atlanta Braves. I have them winning that division. Tito, what say you? Easily. Nathan? I say they wrap it up by the trade deadline. I'm being sarcastic, of course. <laughs> No, they'll win that division, I think. Definitely. Josh? I, I, I know there's some laughter, but I think they wrap that division up shortly after the trade deadline. Yeah. In August, yeah. Yeah, they might be the best team in the NL right now. Let's go to the Central really quick. I got the Cubs. Nathan? I would have to say the Cubs. Tito? Yep. Josh? Cubs. Hey, we're out west. We got the Rockies one game up on the D-backs, who are one game up on the Dodgers. I got the Dodgers pulling that one out. Josh, what do you think? I'm going to say the Dodgers as well. I think they're they're a team that's built for that sort of thing. Um, But I think it was very impressive what the Rockies have been able to do. Tito. I'm going to go with the Rockies. Like the lineup. Yeah, I'm going to take the Rockies as well. Um, Like the lineup, and they're winning on the road, too. All right, so go as fast as you can. It'll be a, it'll be a close give, race. As fast as you can, guys, are two wild card teams. I got the Cardinals and the Rockies. Nathan. Um, I will go uh, Dodgers and D-backs. Tito. I'm going to go Dodgers-Cardinals. Boy, that was Josh? fun. Uh, Diamondbacks, Rockies. There you have it, boys. We got 10 seconds. That was episode six of the official podcast for Redbird Rants. Fansize blog dedicated to all things St. Louis Cardinals. Thanks for listening. Give us a follow on Twitter. Go Cardinals.